Tuesday. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or even just an opioid alternative, check out Artisan Botanicals. Plus, right now, we're saving you 15% when you order online abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show at checkout. Once again, to save 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, it is Tuesday. Eric G. going to join me in just a moment. Want to remind you guys, the NFL draft is next Thursday night. Aaron Davis and myself will be broadcasting live from Chalk throughout the first round. We're going to start about 6.30, do a 30-minute pregame show, if you will, uh, and then we will broadcast throughout the first round, react to all of the picks that are going on. It's going to be a ton of fun. There are going to be uh, some draft giveaways. Uh, this is going to be an awesome event. So if you're looking for a place to watch the draft, hit up Chalk. It's Again, we're going to be out there the entire night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Chalk in Chisholm Creek. All right, here is today's guest from the Sports Animal Tulsa. He is Eric G. Eric, what's happening? Oh, man, dude. Uh, I am so pumped up right now, probably for the wrong reasons. I want to see how long Steph Curry can go on this on this streak. There, where he is, he's, he's thirty three and over to score thirty points. He scored thirty points in eleven consecutive games right now. I am so pumped up to see how much longer the streak can go, and hopefully, it go it goes till the end of the year because there's something amazing about that guy continuing to perform at the level he is. And when you think about him having the injury last year and sitting out and Golden State not being that good, and this year Clay Thompson is sitting out again, um, having missed two years. So it's essentially him, Draymond Green. Um, they've lost some other guys uh, along the way. But to just see him continue to put this team on his shoulder and play like the guy that helped them win three championships, that's good. That does, that does the heart well. Even if you hate Golden State, I don't think there's any way you can not appreciate the greatness that, that, that Steph Curry has brought to the game as a shooter. This is a guy that's a two-time MVP, and how many titles has he won? Two or three? Uh, three. And, three, and I feel like he's playing the most entertaining brand of basketball that he's ever played. And how about this, just to add another level to the whole thing? The Warriors only have nine more wins than the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have currently lost 11 games in a row. So he's doing this, and the team isn't even one of the top eight in the Western Conference, but you could maybe make the argument that they're right there with the Thunder if it's not for Steph Curry, but he is, you're right. I mean, Steph Curry right now is on this tear that um, I've always felt like he was one of the top two, three, four most entertaining players in the league for me, uh, and, and right now he's even taken that to a whole nother level. He has, and go back when you're talking about where they are, which is they're right now they're they're in that what I call the seven, eight, nine, ten slot, um, and, and that's what it should be called as long as the NBA is going to have this stupid decision to to do these play-in games because apparently, um, se- apparently seventy-two games isn't enough to figure out who deserves to go to the playoffs and who doesn't. But right now. Even, okay, in a one-game playoff, they would just have to beat the Spurs once to advance to play the winner of the 7-8 series or game, depending on how it plays out. How would you like to be Memphis or Dallas having to play Golden State in an elimination situation, knowing how hot Steph Curry can get? 
There's no way you want any part of that. Even if you are the better team, you know Steph Curry can get hot on any given night, and he can he can beat you twice. He himself can beat you twice, and then your season ends up being over because you could because you couldn't handle him. That is actually something that the NBA, as much as I hate this playing game, that's something that at least for entertainment purposes, the NBA may have stumbled into this year. If Steph Curry can kind of will the Golden State Warriors into a a first round playoff series against Utah or Phoenix, um, and I think just watching Steph play for four more games or five more games would would be enough to bring eyeballs to the sets and and probably help the NBA ratings in that in those in that first round if he was able to play a few more games because you just want to see how many you want to see how many points he can score. Yeah, and and you want to see him shoot from shoot from you know all areas beyond the arc. People are going to want to watch that. So kudos to the NBA for for screwing up and maybe having Steph Curry bail them out from one of the worst decisions they've ever made in the league. <laughs> He's finally taken over the scoring lead in the NBA. Uh, I, last time I looked, which uh, was maybe a week ago, uh, he he was I think in second place at that point, but. He's now uh, 0.3 points better than Bradley Beal. So he is uh, the current NBA scoring leader. Um, yeah, th- look, the play-in game, I thought it was fine for what they did a year ago in the bubble, and you had the the stoppage and the reboot and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, you're playing nearly a full season. Uh, I, I mean, how many teams do you really need having that opportunity to go play postseason basketball? You don't. You don't. You need 16, and that's it. And it looks like right now you've got 16 teams. Between both between both conferences, you've got 16 teams that can lay claim to deserving to be in the playoffs. And real quick, speaking about Steph, is he the MVP? There's no way. There's no way he could be the MVP when his team is ninth in the West. Okay, so who is the MVP? At one point it was James Harden, but he suffered injuries. At one point, it was probably Kevin Durant, but he's been injured. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both on the shelf. Nobody seems to want to put Donovan Mitchell in the conversation this year. I, I, you could say it's Giannis, but in a, in, a, in a way, it feels like the Bucks are underachieving, even though they're probably not better than the Nets, probably not better than the 76ers. And then there's Joel Embiid. And for some reason, just Joel Embiid and MVP, those those don't seem to go together in in the same sentence. But I would guess right now, Embiid, Embiid is probably the guy that's going to win it, but Steph certainly deserves to be in the conversation. I, I think for me, there are three guys that I would probably go to before Steph, and the, the hard part for Embiid is I, I think he's deserving, absolutely, but he's missed, like, what, 17, 18 games maybe somewhere yeah. in that, somewhere in that neighborhood I don't know the exact number but it's hard for me to give somebody an MVP first of all when you've missed a quarter of the season but secondly you've missed a quarter of a season and your team is still the number one team in the east so like how valuable are you it's not like they have gone into free fall mode so that to me is just kind of an, an interesting balance and and look if you want to make the argument for Joel Embiid I'm not going to argue because he's been spectacular when he's been on the floor but Part of being an MVP is being on the floor, and missing a quarter of a season, to me, just makes you ineligible. Um, I think Jokic and Damian Lillard are the next two that I look at. And again, I understand their teams aren't necessarily the the cream of the crop, 
Um, part of that is being in a tough Western Conference, in my opinion. You put Philadelphia in the West, I think they're probably right there with uh, with Portland and, and Denver, maybe, in that 4-5-6 range. But when you look at what each of those guys has to do on a nightly basis with Jokic and Lillard just for their teams to be in that position in the West, uh, you know, a lot like Steph Curry, like those guys have a lot on their shoulders on a nightly basis and perform in big-time ways on a nightly basis. So um, I, I don't have an issue with Steph being in that conversation, but I think, again, being ninth in the West is really tough when you could look at Jokic and Damian Lillard, who are also having similar seasons and their teams are considerably better. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with any of those guys. I, this, is, this is the strangest MVP race that we have had in, in recent history. Yeah. And really... The only reason it's so strange is because LeBron James got hurt. And right now, talk to anybody that watches the NBA, even though the Lakers are fifth, the expectation is once they get healthy and you get Anthony Davis and LeBron James back on the court, there isn't anybody in the West that's going to be able to beat them and beat them in seven games. So if LeBron were to have stayed healthy, I don't think there's any question that he's the MVP. Or if, or if Anthony Davis were to stay healthy, the argument would have been Anthony Davis, LeBron James, probably Giannis as yeah. the MVP, or, or maybe James, or maybe James Harden. That that would that would have been your discussion. But because those guys are hurt, it, it's thrown everything up in the air, and there are a lot of good arguments for many different players, which one makes it more compelling, but to whoever wins it this year, there's almost this feeling of you you got it by default or you got it because the best player in the world didn't play in enough games this year for him to lay claim to the crown. And then once the Lakers and LeBron end up winning the championship this year and he wins the finals MVP or Anthony Davis wins the finals MVP, then I, most people in the court of public opinion, that person, be it Anthony Davis or LeBron, will will have been the MVP this year. And in fact, give it five years. Give it five years from this year and then go ask people who won the MVP. And I bet, I bet you know, in 2021, the 2020-21 season, yeah. and I bet you get about 15 different answers. I bet this is the one year that, yeah. that, that most people will just throw out a name because they can't remember who it is. It's, which isn't fair to the person who's going to win it, but it's just a very odd year. Yeah, it's a, it's an award that is somewhat narrative driven, and you know, I, I don't. Giannis would have to like lead the league in like five categories. I feel like for him to be back in consideration because he's won it twice, and I almost feel like the message is like you know, let's give somebody else an opportunity, unless. Giannis just completely supersedes what he's accomplished in the past. Like, LeBron James has run into this. LeBron James won a bunch of MVPs early in his career, and then there's a certain bar that's set that unless he surpasses, you know, those statistical outputs, then it's. I think people just have a hard time voting for somebody like that for an MVP again after they've done it so many times, and then the output is either the same or it drops. It's almost like you you feel like they're you set yourself up to have an expectation that they need to produce beyond what they've accomplished in the past. So Giannis to me, again, I, I just don't think has a chance to do it unless his numbers just skyrocket and he's just drastically better than he's been in the past. But speaking of the narrative thing, I kind of felt like going into the year, there was like a 
a, a grassroots sort of campaign for Luka Doncic. And if you go back to the playoffs, remember he was he was fantastic in that first round a year ago, and it kind of felt like he was the next superstar of the NBA that people wanted to to kind of like put at the front of that line. And I think it's interesting because he's fourth in the league in scoring. He's averaging 28.6 points per game. He's averaging 8.7 assists, 7.9 rebounds. The Those are MVP caliber numbers. Denver's in the playoff consideration. They're number seven right now. I think if Denver were a few spots higher, then Luka Doncic would be getting all the MVP love. Unfortunately, I think once again, where you are in the standings plays a big role in this. And being all the way down at seven just, just kind of takes him out of the conversation. Yeah, it does. Well, and, and going back to your Giannis conversation and your LeBron conversation, it's not just even so much what they do on an individual basis, but if their teams are that good, like it's a clear, like it's clear cut that the Lakers were the best team in the NBA, and they had a you know anywhere from a seven to fifteen game lead in first. They're same with the Bucks, then. Whether or not the individual stats match what they've done in the past, guys like Giannis and LeBron get way more consideration. For the Mavericks this year, it wasn't just Doncic who had big expectations. The Mavericks had big expectations. They were one of the teams, when you looked at the beginning of the year, you were thinking, okay, at worst, they're probably going to be in the 4-5 slot of of the Western Conference. That's how good they should be. And they've grossly underachieved. And because they've underachieved, no matter how good Luka is, even if the front office didn't exactly make some of the smartest moves in the offseason, unfairly, he's going to get penalized for it. So that's why Doncic has absolutely no chance this year because the Mavericks weren't supposed to be in a situation where they were fighting fighting in these play-in games. They were supposed to be firmly entrenched around fourth, fifth behind the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. The Mavericks were like the next in line with Phoenix and Portland fighting it out for six. And because Phoenix has exceeded expectations and Utah has exceeded expectations and the Mavericks have grossly failed, then he gets penalized for it. Even if it's not his fault and he's the reason why they're keeping their head above water, it's just not good enough. And that's the, the Michael Jordanization of the NBA, meaning if you are the superstar of that team, then it doesn't matter who's around you. Because, again, we fall into this false narrative that Michael Jordan completely did it on his own. But when you go back and you look at his rosters through the 80s and compare them to his rosters for the 90s, that is just it's complete crap. You know, Jordan, the front office did a really good job of putting people around him starting about 1989, 1988. You know, that's when things started to finally come together for the Chicago Bulls, when he had a supporting yeah. cast. But because it is, he somehow got viewed as this guy that just, you know, led the Bulls with a bunch of scrubs, <laughs> that's now what we expect from a guy with that that's Doncic, which yeah. is so insulting. I think it's so insulting to all those guys, to the guys like Scotty Pippen and Horace Grant and, and BJ Armstrong and and Oakley, who was a player for them uh, in the second run, and Dennis Rodman and you know Stacey King. I mean, you can go on and on with the list. It's just so insulting to those guys how 
you know, hey, you know, Jordan, Jordan won rings for you. You didn't help him at all win these rings. I mean, that's so, and, and unfortunately, every superstar now, now you've got to do that. If you're a superstar, you've got to, you've got to lead a team. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. You've got to, you've got to lead them yeah. when, when maybe you can't. That's, that's very true. And, and look, here's the thing about Dallas. They're right where I thought they would be. Like, I, I, I didn't think they were going to be one of the top four seeds in the West. I didn't think they were going to have home court advantage. I, like, I look at the standings, and I go back to my preseason expectations. I didn't think Dallas was better than Utah or Phoenix or the Clippers or the Nuggets or the Lakers or the Blazers. I mean, I had Dallas right where they are. I, I, I thought they were, you know, in the 6-7 range. Um, you know, to be honest with you, Utah I had... Uh, right there in that like six range as well, but uh, Utah has has far superseded expectations. But th- those other five for me, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Trailblazers, I never thought Dallas would be anywhere close to those teams. See, I did. I got, I got fooled. I got fooled into thinking that Dallas was going to be that good this year, and, and probably because of him. And he is living up to expectations. In fact, he's better than I thought he was going to be this year because going into the season. There was a lot of talk that he was out of shape, that, that he had not taken care of himself during the offseason. And he was gonna have he was gonna have to come into training camp with that condensed training camp that the NBA had and work to get himself back into game shape. And there were questions about whether or not Doncic could really handle being the next Dirk Nowitzki, meaning the expectation is is that not only are you a superstar, but you're going to lead by example. You're going to be the one in shape. You're going to be the one that when things go bad, they can, they can look to, or you can, you're the voice in the locker room. And it, you know, there was that question like, God damn it. Can he handle this? Maybe we, maybe we overvalued it. And then he has been so far above that, that he yeah. not only deserves to be in, in the MVP talk, that maybe you start to look at Rick Carlisle a little bit different because we also got used to Rick Carlisle being able to win with garbage rosters, uh, which has not happened this year. But again, I go back to this. If the roster is garbage, even Rick Carlisle and Luka Doncic can only do so much. So it's something that needs to go on Mark uh, on Mark Cuban's forehead of, of him screw, completely screwing this up. So, I I think he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I mean, right now, if I had to rank it, um, of recency bias, I would go Steph. You know, I still, dang it, I still want to put James Harden in there. Um, I'd go Steph, James Harden, Luca, Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then I get down to your boys, uh, Jokic and, and Dame Lillard, but kept me Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah. God, every time I, I can go give you a top four, and then 10 minutes I come back and go, no, 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 that's not it. It, it, it. It's these guys, and hear why. And I'm so glad I don't vote because I just screw fake myself the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I, I automatically regret. eliminate guys that have missed too many games. And so, I mean, half of, half of your field is not in my consideration because they've missed too many games. Yeah, and I don't know, I, this year especially, I don't know how much to penalize guys for that. And yeah. I don't know anymore how much to penalize guys for that because when you start talking about things like load management, 
that's an organizational decision. That's not necessarily an individual decision. Right. Yeah. And LeBron, and, and that's what was so cool about LeBron this year because LeBron gave the middle finger to that. He was going to go play every night. I he know, was right? going to be Kawhi Leonard. And then LeBron gets hurt. Now you watch next year. LeBron won't, yeah. LeBron won't try this again next year. He'll be like, oh, second of a back-to-back? Yeah, I'm good. Just just go ahead and sit me on the bench, Frank. We got it. <laughs> we'll get to tomorrow night. I mean, the load management is one thing, but if you're missing weeks at a time, then, I mean, that's, you know, that's a different thing. If you miss, you know, six games over the course of 82 because every once in a while you just get a day off, then, you know, I, I, I can – I can stomach that. I, I don't have an issue keeping you in the MVP race, at least for me, in that regard. But when you're when you're gone, you know, for injury or rest or whatever it is, for weeks, uh, that's you know, that's it's too much. And you just you know, fair or not, for me at least, um, that's that's where I start trimming my list. So, but like from just from a what they've accomplished on the floor standpoint. You're absolutely right. I mean, when Kevin Durant's been on the floor, he's been MVP caliber. When James Harden's been on the floor, he's been MVP caliber. When Joel Embiid has been on the floor, he's been MVP caliber. So, well, hopefully, what what this is all setting up for is that we're going to have an entertaining playoff this year. Um, hopefully, Atlanta can can hang around and we can see Trey Young. Hopefully, the the Nets and the Seventy Sixers end up in. Um, end up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Hopefully you get the Lakers playing. Hopefully it's the Lakers and the Nets in the Finals, but hopefully you're also getting a Lakers-Clipper matchup at, at some point. Or Phoenix, Phoenix Jazz. Phoenix Jazz would get, man, that would be, that's probably a seven-game series right there. Oh, and yeah. then you get to see Booker and Chris Paul and Mitchell and um, Gobert and, like, I just, this young, I mean, all these young guys, you know, that, that, that to me is kind of like what I would call the NBA future series. Um, and and even though I don't think either one of those teams could beat the Lakers in seven games, watching them play each other would be just fabulous entertainment. So now I'm pumped. I wasn't even really in an NBA mood. Now I'm all pumped up (laughs) for that. So hurry up into the season, get here. Bold prediction. The Utah jazz will not be in the Western conference finals. Ooh, who do you like? Clippers and Lake? Clippers and the Lakers? Or Phoenix? Or Denver? Or, I or Portland? Phoenix doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look, Utah's good. I, I I like I mean they are they are way better than I gave them credit for. Uh I just we'll see if that translates to playoff basketball. They do have I, I think they win at least one series. Getting them into the semifinals with either yeah. The Lakers, Clippers, Suns—that starts to—that um, starts to probably get a little dicey for them. I mean, right now it's they would avoid the Suns, yeah, in 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 the semifinals. But I really—it's so hard for me to imagine anybody in the West being able to handle the Lakers at full strength. Yeah, right now the four-five matchup would be the Nuggets and the Lakers, and that's that would be the Utah second-round opponent. Yeah. Whew. And, and and then bye 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 Utah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, I think they could beat Denver. I don't think they could beat Los Angeles. Yeah, 
I think I I think Gobert can give Jokic all all he wants in a seven game series, and if I'm Jokic, I don't know how bored I am. Jokic is going to pull him out to the three point line, and uh, it's going to be a completely different look. I don't know, man. Gobert, I I have more faith in Gobert being able to defend beyond the arc than I do some guys that play his position in the NBA. Um, Embiid can probably do it. And certainly, I mean, I got so used to watching Steven Adams try to thin Jokic. When he'd pull him out beyond the arc, he'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> <It's over. laughs> yeah. It's over. I have faith in Gobert. I have faith in Gobert. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. And I, I, think, he, I think he could handle that assignment for seven games. He's going to get torched some. But I also think he's smart enough to know that when he gets torched, it, it, he's not going to he's not going to go into the tank. And if he can, if, if he if he can beat Jokic up when they when they play inside, he can wear him down physically. And then the later he gets in those games, maybe those shots, those, those three point shots are a little lazy, a little tired, and they and they start missing. They start drawing iron more than they necessarily more than they're necessarily going in the in the hoop. Yeah. Uh, We're going to hit the spring game in a second, but uh, how about this uh, news this morning from Royce Young? The Thunder are in the process of acquiring new naming rights for Chesapeake Energy Arena. Chesapeake is terminating their agreement effective immediately. While they work to secure new naming rights, it'll still be known as Chesapeake Energy Arena. So, new arena coming soon, or at least new arena name coming soon in OKC. My my first question is... Look, we've affectionately called it the peak for over a decade now. Is this going to be a Myriad situation where no matter how many times it's renamed, it's always going to be known as the Myriad? Because that's, you know, the Cox Center. I think it just is some. It just became something else like in the last month. Uh, but it's one of those things like I've, I've always just called it the Myriad. And people always know what you're talking about when you say the Myriad as opposed to the number of other things that that building has been called. I wonder if if this is always going to be called the peak, regardless of like the official name. It, yeah, it will be. It, it has that kind of like that ballpark at Arlington Field because no matter what it was named, I guess it was what Globe Life Park. Yeah. Um, before it before it was shut down, and now it's what Globe Life Stadium. It's a new place. It was always the ballpark. You always said the ballpark. You knew exactly what you were talking about. The myriad, like which is now a movie studio, which is very cool. Um, yeah, it'll always, for most people, it will probably always be the peak. However, I am looking forward to the love zone in the, when the new naming rights get here, because you know, I mean, just think about it right now. They've already got the uniforms. Well, I just get the feeling love will get the, will get the sponsorship for the arena and we can go from the peak to the love zone. Look, if they're so, if it's gonna if Loves is going to be the sponsor, and you're gonna call it, the, I like Love Dome. I like Love Dojo a little bit better. Let's call it the Love Dojo. Oh, I like that. I like that too. Both of them bring all sorts of things. Both of them bring all sorts of visualizations to your head. But it's either Loves. I mean, probably I'd say either Loves gets the naming right, or possibly. Oh, Devin. I can see Devin getting the name. I mean, we're Oklahoma. I mean, a lot of oil companies around here. Devin seems to be the next in line. I always like Ford Center. 
There was, there was a ring, the Ford Center. I'd like to see Ford, re, you know, sponsor it again or, I don't know, come up with a name for it and then just let whoever put their name on the side and we call it that, Oklahoma City Arena or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, it, it, I think for most people, it will always be the peak. It, it, that's what they will yeah. – that's what they will call it, even though in news reports and everything else, they will refer to it as as whatever that that new name is. But you know what sucks? And I get it. Everything's always about money. But because of all these naming rights, we don't have something like, we don't have Chicago Stadium anymore. We have the United Center. Right. We don't have the Boston Garden. We have TD Bank Garden. Now, luckily, we still have Madison Square Garden. Um, luckily, we still have Yankee Stadium, which doesn't have a, a corporate sponsor, or Dodger Stadium that doesn't have a corporate sponsor. But Fenway, yeah, no more. Yeah, Fenway, uh, Wrigley, Wrigley, Wrigley Field, which really was kind of a corporate sponsor when you think about it. Yeah, because it's the Wrigley family. The um, Bush now Bush Stadium again corporate sponsor but you don't have Sportsman Park Sportsman Park which was the which was the original one or Crosley Field yeah um, which was in Pittsburgh you don't or Memorial Stadium um, from Baltimore I guess you still have Camden Yards which is not yeah. corporate sponsor at all but you've lost some of the you've lost some of those names that, that gave people comfort. Um, especially from an older generation, younger people probably are just, uh, you know, they're just used to corporations like three river stadiums on yeah. everything. Yeah. If, if we were going to name the new stadium. Oklahoma city stadium, something like that, what would it be like Bricktown canal arena? Uh, yeah. Or just Bricktown arena. Um, I mean, I, Thunder Stadium, Thun- Thunderdome, Thunderdome. Yeah, um, that's that's the obvious. Yeah. Has been, has, by the way, has anyone ever used that? <laughs> anyone ever used that referring to what we'll call the peak? Um, I know people that it, have called it Thunderdome for a long time as just kind of like their affectionate nickname for it. Um, Oklahoma City Arena or OKC Arena. Um, take o- this city ought to take ownership of it as far as just from a pride standpoint. But that's, I mean, I don't know. Brewer, Brewer Park, or I guess it's Miller Park, which I don't have a big problem with because Miller and Milwaukee are so right. synonymous. Right. Um, and Brewers, like it, it all, it all, it all yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish there was something that, I wish there was something that we had that was. I mean, the, the, the what are the, the, what are the thing top things that you feel like people think about that don't live here when they hear the name when they hear the word Oklahoma? Like, what do you think people on the coasts Ooh. think? Because that's what you have to. I think uh, that's what you would have to play into. Horses. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I think they think horses, college football, and. Um, Chicken fried steak. Those those <laughs> those three things. What everybody thinks of on the coast. I I could go with chicken I, fried steak stadium. I like that. I like just chicken fried steak yeah. stadium. Cat cattlemen. Cattlemen should get the sponsorship to it. Oh, Cattlemen's arena. That would be good. 
I'm not even kidding you. I was in uh, I was in New York about a decade ago, and even as soon as about ten years ago, somebody asked me if I rode a rode a horse to work. Not even. Are kidding. You oh yeah, yeah. Like, no, we 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 have we have motorized transportation. We've we've come a long way in the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, over over the last ten years, we, we've built yeah. roads. Yeah. You, you'd be impressed. Yeah, I was I was riding a horse up until about eighteen months ago, and we finally got the first automobile. I got to crank it in the morning, but we're all set now. <laughs> well, it could be worse. Um, Rocky Rocky Long, who, who is now the defensive coordinator to Mexico, but was the head coach when I was there, he told me a story one time about how. He was recruiting a kid in Mississippi. He recruited a kid in Mississippi or, or, or Florida. I mean, they, they would go that far east to get kids. But parents would ask him if their kid needed a passport to go to school there because they did not realize New Mexico was was part of the U- <laughs> United States. That's so awesome. it could be worse. I mean, people could think that Oklahoma is not part of the United States, but I mean, God, if they think that about Oklahoma, what what do people in New York think about Mississippi or Alabama? I, I think we got it pretty good. I think we got it pretty good compared to those reputations. Yeah, it's kind of sad that I can't think of like something that just stands out above everything else. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of farming in the in the rural areas of our state. It, you know, it, it's it's a it's a unique state but i don't know that we have i mean okay what do you think when you think of boston you probably think of like his his history right the beginning the beginnings of uh, america right um or it's rich sports history i oklahoma i mean we it, it's college football is probably our number one export besides oil but oil is you're, you're I mean, so right it, you're so it, right <laughs> it is what it is. It's like it's like college football and oil. That's that's Oklahoma in a, hey, in a nutshell. There's your arena name, not a college football arena. That's what we're gonna call it. It's it's the name of it is officially not a college football arena. And even with the Thunder and, and everybody and the Thunder having that that run starting in in the uh, 2009 2010 season. We're still a college football state, so yeah, yeah it, it, it almost needs to be a nod to like, I don't know, Sooner Cowboy Golden Hurricane Arena or whatever yeah. you or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's just kind of it's not a bad look. Being known for college football is not a bad thing. I mean, that's what most people would say about Alabama. Yeah. What's Alabama known for? It's known for college football. That and racism probably um, <laughs> is what Alabama is for. Yeah. And probably so probably it, insert least, a few inbred jokes in there, you know? That's Yeah. But that's it. Oklahoma, it's Oklahoma college football and boom. There there you go. But yeah. I, I golly. Keep thinking of I'm trying to think of something. Um, I, I, I would imagine Devin. I would imagine something tells me Love's is going to get that corporate sponsor. I feel like you know when you think of Oklahoma, like things that are always associated um, with Oklahoma. Obviously, Native American history, um, 
the, you know, as, as you know, yesterday, obviously, the, the memorial um, and the OKC bombing is something that's always attached to Oklahoma City. Um, you know, if you want to go just in the last 10 years, like we've become known for casinos, a lot of casinos in this state. Um, yeah. Hey, if you want to just, if you want to go really recent, uh, how about dispensaries? I feel like I see dispensaries everywhere now. <laughs> and coincidentally, would... today is 420, so. Yeah. Oh, it is. That would, well, let's let's celebrate uh, some of the great dope, dope smokers in sports like Robert Parrish. Um, <laughs> they called him chief um, for a reason. Yes, they did. And he was a man ahead of his time. Dude, don't say anything bad about Robert. I love Robert Parrish. Um, that'd be cool. The dispensary got the naming right on it. That, that wow. Well, let me see. New Orleans is smoothie king. Yeah. I, I, my fear is that, well, actually, it's not a fear, but I think it'd be great if American Airlines got it. So then you wouldn't know the difference between Dallas, Miami, or Oklahoma City as far as where teams were playing. Well, speaking of um, that, aren't there like six AT&T stadiums? Yes, I, I think so. I think there's a couple of AT&T arenas, and you've got AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Yeah, I think there, there, are, a few, there are a few of those. Isn't uh, is San Francisco's AT and T? Yeah, it is AT and T Park. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we could do AT and T as well. There we I go. Mean, yeah. just, so we have AT and T wow. Park. We have AT and T Stadium. We don't have an AT and T Arena. Is base? I mean, that's what we're, I think we yeah. do. do we? I think we do have an AT. Yeah, let me. I'm I'm looking that up now. Um, but I believe we do have an AT&T arena in the NBA. San Antonio. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know that San Antonio was called AT&T. The AT&T Center. There was a, like when I was a kid, I could confidently name every stadium in all of the major sports. Like, maybe not as much hockey, but... Definitely in basketball, baseball, and football, I could tell you the name of every stadium. Now, zero chance. Yeah. Because like, like you I said mean, earlier, you there imagine- was, you know, it was Yankee Stadium. It was Fenway. It was Wrigley. Like, they all had unique names that you, you kind of were able to identify what they were rather than, like, the, the sponsorship. Kauffman Stadium. Yeah. Kauffman Stadium. Arrowhead. Arrowhead. Arrowhead, yeah. I, I can't imagine, like, even if Arrowhead became something other than Arrowhead Stadium, it would always be called Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. Mile High? Because that's what it's been. For, yeah, Mile High, which is, what, Invesco, was it, is it Invesco Field? I've, something like that? No clue. I mean, I yeah, I can't name half of them because they change so much. Right. Um, I, I know the Ravens used to play at uh, PST Stadium or something like that or CS and then it's it's changed like three or four times or remember it was Minute Maid is it still Minute Maid Park in Houston they called it the Juice Box I believe I so, I believe uh, it's still I, Minute Maid yeah I believe so which I think is one of the greater nicknames one of the greatest nicknames we have when it comes the to, box, to yeah. stadiums the, the Juice yeah. Box but it started off as Enron Field and then that went Oops. south real quick. Oops. And coincidentally, the Houston Astros followed their lead. Yes. Dirtbags. Yes, they did. 
Yeah, I, I know, I remember that Indy is Lucas Oil for some reason. I don't know why that sticks, but I maybe because it's always involved in so many other things outside of, like, just Colts football. Um, yeah, and for certain, for the RC, and before that it was like the, wasn't it the RCA, RCA Dome? Yeah. Or was that? Yeah. And for some reason those work. I mean, sometimes the corporate sponsorship thing works. Um, and Miami has Hard Rock. The, yeah. Which was wasn't that was it Joe Robbie before Joe, that? Yeah. It was, I liked Land, I liked Land Shark. Oh, I yeah. liked when Absolutely. it was Land Absolutely. Shark Stadium. That was awesome. Yeah, Land, named after Land Shark beer, which is a Jim, which is a Jimmy Buffett reference. But yeah, I, Bud, ooh, Budweiser. We can call it the Bud. Yeah, there you go. And there once again, go. That, gives us, uh, that gives us our four twenty. <laughs> correlation as well. Happy 420, everyone. Well, the NBA, yes, the NBA is loosening restrictions. All right, spring game. You want to get into the spring game with with OU this year, and OSU is playing on the same day as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a busy Saturday. Oklahoma's game is obviously at four. Uh, I, I, I see a lot of people excited about this, and probably more than usual, simply because we didn't have one last year, right? Is that the sense you're getting? Yeah. Yeah, that, and I think it's just the fact that there's also kind of the anticipation of losing, of loosening restrictions for the upcoming season, and more people will be able to go to the stadium and enjoy football in person. I think all that's kind of rolled into one. Plus, I, I don't think it, it it hurts that, I mean, you've had a crummy year with the Thunder, so I don't know how many people are, are, are still really involved in watching them on a day-to-day basis as more as they're just listening to the radio or watching the news for what the updates are to find out how many how many more ping-pong balls they've got going into the hopper. It's only crummy and because they you, won too much early, Eric. I mean, it's yeah. it's exactly – I yeah. mean, right now it's exactly as, as it should be. But, yes, it was crummy because they were winning too much. They were too good early on. But like, people kind of, I mean, people know, I mean, it's like, all right, you're not going to watch, you're not going to watch the game. Uh, you're only wanting the end results when it, when it comes to, right. when it comes to what's going on with the Thunder. So now he got OU football this year. And for the first time in a long time, you get the sense that, that OU may actually have the best team in the country. So even with the recent issues that have happened this past week, there's going to be a level of excitement of, okay, let's see Spencer Rattler. Let's see Marvin Mims. Let's this defense, this defense may actually be good. Let's see how they play. And and even though you don't really learn much of anything for a spring game, um, especially with it being such a controlled environment, there's at least going to build a level of excitement. And, and there's going to be a few of us, probably myself included, that, that overreact to the way the one or two, one or two guys play and, and, and overhypes them going into the year. But I think all this is just making for yeah. – I think there's a lot of factors that are making for just some incredible excitement around a spring game, which we probably haven't seen in probably at least a couple of years, probably going back to when – well, I mean, obviously we didn't have one last year, but um, I don't know. I think when, when Jalen Hurts, I, I think that year that, that Jalen Hurts played, there was a lot of excitement because people wanted to see how he, he meshed with the offense. But now people want to see the defense. They, 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 there's more to see with OU, so that builds excitement. 
Yeah. And and look, there are some new faces, obviously, that that you're somewhat hopeful you'll get to see a little bit of. Um, you, you, it might also be fair to say maybe the headline this week is is the the players that aren't going to play on Saturday, right? Uh yeah. <laughs> um, are, are now are we talking about the Gallon and, Br- and Bridges yeah, or yeah. their their other guys? Yeah, I, that that's a headline. And one, I'd be of knowing nothing, and at this point, it is just accusations. Okay, it's bad accusations, but it's accusations, and it's alleged. But if Trajan Bridges is involved with this, there's no way he's playing at OU again. I mean, when, when, once you've had the strike of getting suspended for an entire year and a playoff game because you, you pop positive on a drug test, and if, in fact, you were involved with an alleged armed robbery where a guy got pistol whipped, there's there's no way you can come back. There's no way you can come back from that. And I would imagine Seth McGowan wouldn't have any chance of playing at OU either, but at least for Seth McGowan, I believe this is his first strike at OU. But Trajan Bridges has had multiple opportunities, and if any of this is proven true, then there's no way Lincoln Riley can trust him and feel good about him being in the program because the, the more lease you give a kid like that, chances are it's going to come back to burn you again. And, and Lincoln Riley, who, I mean, give him credit. I, I give Lincoln Riley a lot of credit. He and I both agree that you shouldn't be testing for marijuana. It isn't anything that, that the NCAA should be concerned about. It's pretty much the, sig- the stigma's gone with it. It's, for the most part, legal here in the state of Oklahoma, but it is still a rule. And I think Trajan Bridges is proving, allegedly, that he can't follow the rule. And you give somebody you give somebody a third shot, chances are they'll burn you again because they don't really feel like there's any real consequences um, that they have to pay for, for their actions at this time. And you would have thought, after having sit out a year, He's the guy that wouldn't want to get into any trouble. That's probably the most baffling part about this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's a tough situation. Obviously, like you said, these are accusations and it, it all has to play out. Uh, so it's it's kind of hard to just say, like, this is what should happen. Uh, but but you're right. I think especially for somebody that's that's already had strikes against them, this would be extremely tough to come back from. Honestly, I think if even if you haven't had a strike, this sort of – of behavior would be tough to come back from. So uh, it's, yeah, it's tough. I, I would say this from a football standpoint, because, uh, you know, everybody's like, what does this mean for OU as a football team? Because obviously, you know, this is this is as good an opportunity, Eric, as they've had in 10 years probably to, I think, compete for a national championship. So I've been asked this a lot this week. Like, what does this mean for the football team? What does this mean in terms of their chances of competing for a national title? And and my my answer is again you don't ever want to see anybody have to get dismissed you don't want to ever see anybody break rules or anything like that but if we're just talking about the football part of this and you know what what it means for a football team if there are two positions that you could afford to lose talented players at it's running back and receiver I mean I, I don't think that this ultimately changes it, again if everything is true and these guys never play another down at OU again even though they're both extremely talented and I think would be massive assets for Oklahoma 
I don't think this changes my opinion of what Oklahoma can accomplish this year at all. Well, let's start with Seth McGowan. I think as long as Kennedy Brooks, uh, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, those guys stay healthy, the loss of Seth McGowan isn't going to be that big because you've got some good depth at running back. Even though you may not have an Adrian Peterson or a DeMarco Murray, you've got guys that are very capable of, uh, of toting the rock. And the way OU has operated, I mean, and this kind of goes back to the Bob Stoops day, whoever has the hot hand on a particular day is, is going to get carried. So you can absorb his loss. Now, the receiving core, which has been really deep of late, um, Trajan Bridges was supposed to add to that. What may happen because of this is you might see a little bit more you're going to see more attention. Marvin Menz is going to get all the attention he wants once he steps on the field for, for many defense, which should open it up for, for other guys on the field. And as long as they can catch the ball and make positive yards, then you won't really notice that the Trajan Bridges is gone. And in fact, because he wasn't there last year, I don't know how many people from an on-the-field standpoint will miss him this season. Because as long as guys are doing their job, I mean, it's, it's something you can't absorb. I think you hit on a good point about those are probably the two deepest positions OU has other than, well, really, OU's just loaded on offense, period. I mean, you right. one question mark is offensive, offensive line, but, I mean, in beating Bowie Trust, right? Yeah. I and mean, he does a really good job of developing those guys. I think if you lost people in the, in the secondary – and edge and along the defensive line, you lost people there, then, yeah, then maybe that, right. that, that would have been an issue. But I, I, don't, I don't think the loss of either one of these guys is going to make that dramatic a difference. And, in fact, quite the opposite could happen if you keep them around because you don't know if they are involved in this. And you keep them around and they earn their way back on, you worry about who they're going to drag down with them. And are they going to be a distraction? And the last thing this team needs is distraction because this is a year to get it done. And you may not have another opportunity as good as this one if you're OU. Because you've got a feeling that even if Alabama's a little down this year, they're not going to stay that way. Um, Clemson is no one showing no signs of really tailing off for, you know, for an extended period of time. And Ohio State, I mean, like all three of those schools, if they stay down, they bounce back real quick. Right. So this may be your best opportunity for three, four years. And again, if you win it, you reap the benefits in recruiting. So any any distraction, any distraction is, is counterproductive at this point. Yeah. Um, again, you have, I mean, there are so many pass catching options already. Uh, you know, Marvin Mims, as you mentioned, is a star. I, Austin, I, I, Austin Stogner I mean, is. We didn't even talk just, about the yeah, tight end. Right. Um, but yeah, just throwing him into the pass catcher conversation, uh, Hazelwood, um, you know, you got the slot guys like Drake Stoops, uh, Theo Weiss is still, uh, you know, a, a weapon. And then you talk about the newcomers as well. I don't know if you, you guys have had this conversation, but you know, the Billy Bowman conversation about a month ago was, you know, what side of the ball is he going to play on? I wonder if the, if maybe, you know, again, if they're just in preparation for what could potentially happen with these guys, if, if maybe um, Billy Bowman is, is being talked about maybe as, as going back to the offensive side of the football. Remember, speaking of 
Trajan Bridges, year one, they were talking about him playing offense but also getting defensive snaps, and we saw it a little bit. Maybe maybe that's the case yeah. with Billy Bowman if you're talking about you know just being handcuffed from a personnel standpoint. I could see that a little bit. I, I think because so much emphasis is on the defense this year and, and because they feel like the way that they're going to win a championship is being able to shut people down, it seems like your 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 best athletes or or any guys that, that you can have over there, especially if they're a guy like Bowman who yeah. is showing that much potential, you're gonna you're, you you want to keep him in that slot. It's not to say that he might not get a few snaps on offense. That I don't think that's out of the question. But I would I could think with all the guys that, that you just named, and I don't know why I always forget about Theo Weiss. Um, and Drake Stoops is also another guy I constantly forget about. Yeah, But that also tells you something. I mean, you, you've got so many playmakers who can catch the ball for OU, and you've got guys coming out of the backfield yeah. who should be able to catch the ball for OU. I would not take I would not take anybody away from that defense. I wouldn't risk anybody getting hurt on offense that could help you on defense. And hopefully – Hopefully Lincoln Riley feels the same way, but um, he is an offensive coordinator, and I, I think he's shown at least through his his first few years at OU that, that that your best players are are normally going to end up on on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, I, I I just think it's uh, it's interesting because there was a lot of conversation about what side he was going to play on. Same thing with Trajan Bridges, and. I, you know, if he could be a dominantly defensive player, but knowing that he has that ability, um, I, I I wouldn't put it past Lincoln Riley to to have some special stuff in the playbook for Billy Bowman. No, and and he's a smart. He's probably a smart enough guy that he probably has that mentality of what do you do to get your best eleven? You know, how do you get your right. best eleven players on the field at at all times? Or who who are your best eleven players, and how do we how do we best use these guys? How do we make sure that they're on the field? I can I would imagine Lincoln Riley operates that way. Yeah, the good thing for Oklahoma, you know, I think when you talk about spring games, usually when you're kind of going through a reload or a rebuild, spring games are a little bit more interesting because you have so many more questions, and you kind of want to see like what certain players are going to do as far as like trying to step up and, and, you know, battling out in these, these position competitions, uh, Oklahoma doesn't have as many questions, but I still think you're talking about a lot of young players that, uh, people want to see what for you are maybe the, the highlight points of Saturday that you're looking for. Uh, defensive line. Um, that's, that's the first thing I want to, I, I want to see how they do against that offensive line and whether or not, they can get some pressure on on, on Spencer Rattler. Um, because if you can, then that's usually a good sign that, that you're going to be able to do it through the rest of the season. Um, because if, if we take if, if we take the theory that, that OU is going to be the best prepared, most talented offensive line in the Big 12, and, and, and it's ones against ones, let's remember this. So... Again, one. How are they dividing up the team? There's a, there's a lot to yeah. consider there. Um, if they can get some pressure on on Spencer Rattler, if they can keep the running backs from um, from having really good days, that would excite me. Honestly, for me, it's all on defense. I'm not. 
honestly, I'm not the least bit curious about the offense right now, except up front. And what I'm trying not to take into consideration is if the offensive line gets whipped, does that mean they're in trouble once the season rolls around? Uh, you know, so, so so if they're getting whipped up front, is it do I get excited because maybe the defensive line is that good, or do I I, I now think it's uh, hold my breath and wonder if the offensive line is is going to need some work? But uh, you know, as far as Spencer Rattler adding new dimensions to his game, we're not really going to see that until the season unfolds. Um, Kennedy Brooks, I would imagine the running backs all get about equal carries, but you'll never see any of them. Workload. I mean, I I don't know what Marvin Mims can show in a spring game that he hasn't already shown us. And again, he's he's a guy. Anything new that he's added to his repertoire, you're probably going to see more in the season than the spring game. So for me, it's it's totally 100 percent about the defense. And even then, if they have a really good day, you take that with a grain of salt because again. What are they showing you on the offense? And it's absolutely nothing. And A, you've been practicing against each other. So you ought to have a pretty good read on, what, on, what, on what's going on. I, Kobe, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I'm like overly just thrilled about the spring game. But because they've become so watered down in the past 30 years, I mean, really, it's been a 30-year process since the spring games have become extremely watered down. Yeah. Um, where, where it's mainly more about a fan fest showing up. You're, uh, you know, for OU, it, it was bringing out country stars. It was naming the Roughneck Queen when I was there. It was introducing the alumni that showed up. I mean, it was, it was, it was a dog and pony show. Just a what celebration it was. It of football in the spring, right? Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. Um, I am of the opinion, hardcore opinion, that if you're a fan, what you deserve as a fan, because you want to know, you want to have your opinion. You don't want to just read them from a website where, and again, I'm not ripping the people that do the websites, but they're getting their information from people. So you have to rely on the information people are giving to the guys that run the website and them to put it out and yeah. all that to be correct. And I don't think the guys on the website are lying. I mean, they're just writing what they've been told. But are they being told the truth about how guys look at it? You want to make your own opinion on it. The best way for that to happen is to, is to start operating spring a little bit more NFL-like and having joint workouts. And I know Lincoln Riley's against this. Uh, but if we've learned anything over the past few weeks, Lincoln Riley's is taking mud. So – you start having these joint workouts and then maybe OU when they're playing somebody like LSU in the spring or uh, Arkansas or whoever, we're going to have a better read on where this team is. And you do it as a joint workout, not a game, not a scrimmage. It's a joint workout. You scrimmage at the end. Uh, you let best go on best. And then let's see where things are. That's what we need. I, I Coming out of Saturday at either Stillwater or Norman, you're still going to have a ton of questions, a ton of questions that won't be answered till probably the first month in the season. Um, and for OU, they're probably not going to be answered until they get into conference play because of how bad the non-con is this year, or should be this year. OU should destroy 
all three of their non-con opponents this year. So it's, yeah, it's a good time. And, and, and we'll talk about how somebody looks, but again, I just always go back to, okay, who were they playing against? And was everybody in the mix? And I also have to ask, what did it really look like in practice? Which is something we don't. Which is something we don't know the answer to because we're not allowed. To, we're not allowed to watch it. Yeah. Are you ready so, for? Uh, are you ready for the Caleb Williams like five touchdown passes performance and everybody to just yeah. be like, all right, I'm ready for Caleb Williams. Actually, I'd re- I'd rather I'd rather him throw like three interceptions, um, and, and not not. not not because of Caleb Williams, but I, I'd rather have people be like, oh, man, he, he threw it. I'd rather him throw three interceptions because I want to know if people are more excited about the guys that made those three interceptions. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, man, you know, right. so-and-so made it. You know, he made a really good play against that receiver, or, man, he had a good read on that, and, and the defense is improving. Or if it's, oh, my God, he threw three picks. What the hell? You know, this guy was supposed to be a five-star recruit. Here he is throwing three picks, and – I would imagine the reaction if he did would be like, uh, you know, hey, freshman, whatever, he's not playing this year. He's got time to, you know, he's got time to to get over it. But yeah, I mean, him throwing five touchdowns, I, I think it's just wow, he's really good. But OU's always had really good quarterbacks. Yeah, OU, you know, the last twenty years or so. So it's um, yeah, I'd I'd rather see him. I'd rather see him make mistakes. State, just to, just to hear what the reaction is off that. Well, to, I, to hear actually not the reaction, the overreaction to the either defense being good or people thinking he's bad. Because I can't imagine even if he did throw three picks, or as highly recruited as he was, that it, that he would be bad. Yeah, that that he would just be a bad quarterback. I look weird things happen, you know. So it's Chandler Morris had that touchdown run in the opener last year, and I swear to you. Every time Spencer Rattler threw an incompletion from that point on, I had people tweeting me, it's Chandler Morris time. It's Chandler Morris time. Or especially if there was a t- if, if Rattler threw an interception or fumbled, it was like, all right, it's time. We got to see what Chandler Morris has. So, you know, Caleb Williams obviously is a five-star future. You know, everybody says he's a future NFL guy. So if he throws like five touchdowns against uh, the backup defense in this thing, like – I'm telling you, the first Spencer oh, hey, interception I, is going to be Caleb Williams. Time, ah, time to see Caleb Williams. Golly. Yeah, I, I, God, why did I not? Why did I not remember fans get that way about the backup quarterback? Really, people, people really wanted to put the Caleb. I love it. it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Chandler Morris over. Um, oh God, who was the guy that transferred? Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, yeah. people were more. I, I can see people wanting Tanner Mordecai. I remember when Mordecai came in for for the Texas game. Yeah, and I remember thinking, "Oh God, he's <laughs> yeah." He lost I any goodwill when, he had very, very quickly. Well, it's like God, he's even worse. You're kind of screwed, <laughs> Lincoln Riley. You've got a freshman making freshman right. mistakes, and a guy that. Right. The guy that's uh, been in your program for a few years that doesn't seem to that also seems to be making those mistakes. Good luck with this one. Um, and then we know we all we all know how it turned out. But um, my it, favorite spring game performance yeah. when I was covering Oklahoma State, I think it was the year after Blackman left. 
I believe it was Charlie Moore caught like three or four touchdown passes in the spring game. And that entire offseason, I mean, constantly, Charlie Moore, Oklahoma State's next Bolitnikoff Award winner, Charlie Moore, like, and again, nothing against Charlie Moore, but, you know, he just had this big game in the spring game. And so automatically everybody put him on the, on the you know, as the next Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, you know, long line of successful Oklahoma State receivers because he had this monster spring game. And I'm like, I mean, maybe he'll be good, but I don't I, I don't think he's on the Bolitnikoff watch list. Who was I'm trying to remember the first OSU spring game I went to, and this is a few years back. They did not they did not play their starting quarterback. They did not play Mason Rudolph that day, or if they did, they played Mason Rudolph sparingly, and I'm trying to remember who the backup was. But he looked good that day. And I remember talking. It's like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so looked good. So, I mean, if Mason did go down, they might, you know, have something here. But I can't I – God, I can't remember who it is. But it, it wasn't real long into the season before you realized, yeah, this guy didn't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he may have came – I think he may have came in for Mason Rudolph in one of OHU's early games after – after the Pokes had it well in hand, but there was this, oh, yeah, this kid doesn't have anything. <laughs> he, had a, he had a good spring game. It was it was him, and there was another kid from Norman that, that OSU had, and both of them were just average at best. And oh, both of the, them were uh, really, really Kolar, good right? in the spring game. Yeah, it was Kolar, yeah. and I yeah. can't remember who the, who the guy was in front of him. But it's like they looked really good in the spring game, but when you saw them in the regular season, you're like, oh, they don't have anything. You know, they had a good spring day. Oh, God, dear Mason Rudolph, do not get hurt. Do yeah. not get hurt this year at all, or they're screwed. Yeah. But, God, the spring game is so funny. And and I keep wondering, I think the whole reason that the college coaches like the way it is, because, A, they're paranoid. They don't want anyone to see anything. They don't want whatever they're doing to get around. Um, and, B, they like control. They, they can completely control the environment to keep kids from getting hurt. And anything above and beyond that, um, that might be a threat to those two things. They're not, yeah. some of them aren't going to be in favor of, I think Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy's all for it. Tim Pittman's all for it at Arkansas for some reason. Well, not for some reason, but for the reasons we just mentioned, Lincoln Riley isn't, isn't on board with doing joint workouts. So hopefully that'll, That'll change with time when Joe Castiglione comes to him and says, hey, if we do joint workouts and we charge fans to come in and watch, we can make X amount of money for the program. And that can go to all, you know, everything you're seeing here can get even better if we do that. So get on, get on board with this. I think it'd be the only way he'd he'd do it. But God, man, that dude, Lincoln Riley's all about some control. I think it's. You know, you, you can't. I don't think anybody that's listened to his press conferences in the last few weeks can say anything but no. Lincoln Riley likes to firmly be in control of everything going on, which is not a bad thing for somebody running a college football program. Yeah, I mean, he's got an iron fist, and that's that's the way you got to be. That, yeah, I mean, hey, if you're you having know, success with it, that's then that you know you start getting the pushback when it's not working. I mean, Nick Saban, if if Nick Saban's going six and six the way that he acts and the way that he coaches isn't flying with anybody. Nobody's happy about it. You know, he's no. gonna, everybody's going to call him a jerk and 
um, call call his style ancient, and you know he needs to catch up with the time. So it's all based on success. So I mean, Lincoln well, Riley can Lincoln be how, whatever is, way he wants to be if they're winning. He's not as forward thinking as I thought he was. I think that's probably the biggest shock in the in the last few press conferences. Is I always looked at Lincoln Riley as a very forward, progressive thinking guy. Like, like everything about him up until these last two conferences was, I, you know, thought of him as a guy that that would you know embrace the NIL. I thought of him as a guy that would embrace joint workouts. That even though Chandler Morris was transferring, it wouldn't be that big a deal because hey, this is the way college football is now, and and I'm not worried about it because I'm in control. And as long as we're winning, we've got you know we'll we'll be the masters of the transfer portal. So why do I care if this kid goes off to, to TCU with my playbook? Because I'm going to replace him with somebody better. And he's been anything but that. that it's, been a, it's been a little shocking. Yeah. Because it's like, well, wait a second. Because it just doesn't. Okay, this is my, again, this is my idea. All right? So I'm not, you know, and it is, you're a younger guy. You're not even 40 yet. You have this high-powered offense. You have benefited from the transfer portal. Um, you seem to really still love recruiting, at least on video. Your, your, you know, your reaction to you getting kids. You've got that, you know, youthful enthusiasm, and anything that goes against that, that 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 caught me off guard. Like I was not, I was not expecting that for him. I was not expecting to get off my lawn moment. Um, all that being said as much as I don't agree with him, it's hard to criticize him because the program is in such good shape right now, not just with your wins and losses, but you just, any issues that he's having like this one, I firmly expect him to, to, to take, to take care of it. I mean, I don't think, I don't see him as being a guy that's going to let things get out of hand. So it's like, all right, I may not agree with you on this. I mean, this seems a little archaic in your way of thinking, but, Dude, I mean, it, it, it's working. So knock, so knock yourself out. What's it, what's it matter if I don't agree with you? Because you know you've got a you've got a spick and span football program here, and whatever these issues are with Seth McGowan, with Trajan Bridges, if in, and I'll I'll emphasize if in fact they are issues, and that's just kind of the, the CYA here. Um, I really expect Lincoln Riley will handle it, and it'll be. You know, it'll be one of those things that'll be taken care of, and you, you'll never hear about it again. Yeah, he's yeah. not—he's not, not going to have a program run amok. I mean, that—if there's any positive to take out of anything that's going on, Lincoln Riley's not going to have a program that, that that gets out of control. Agreed. And, and will embarrass the university. That's no. That 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 is not in that is not in his wheelhouse. And I if agree. he did, he's he's working for an athletic director that that ain't that ain't going to have it. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll leave you with this. We talked about the uh, Chesapeake Energy Arena rights, and they're looking for new naming rights. Uh, our buddy Aaron Davis has uh, suggested via Twitter, Night Trips Arena. James, Har- hey, can we get James Harden back? Then? Maybe, yeah, maybe James Harden comes back, signs the max, and. Uh, have some pretty nice. Does that mean you have to have a? 
Do, do you have to have a pole that runs from the scoreboard to the middle of the floor then? And how do the players play around that? Or does it come out during the game and you just put it up during halftime? The uh, the Thunder Club, you know, underneath the underneath the seats at halftime, <laughs> sure has it'll quality smell, entertainment. It'll have it'll smell of cheap perfume and cheap liquor. Yeah, the line to get in that thing at halftime is is like night trips line on a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. and you gotta oh, have your man, wristband, and yeah, it's you know. You, you gotta have the the the, the stamp on it that that's blacklit. Plus, it's gonna be black. Everything's gonna be blacklit. <laughs> Walk around and just remember, the songs are always sped up and shorter than what you're going to hear on the radio when yeah. you're in that club. So just, yeah. just hey, people got to make money. Yeah. And rule number one: do it. not touch. No touching. No touching. No touching. No sex in the champagne room. Eric, always appreciate yeah, it, my you, friend. Aaron. We will uh, catch up again next I Tuesday. Yes. Oh, and somehow put a bug in here about what, what we should discuss next Tuesday. This Super League is being formed in European soccer, even though I could care less about soccer, is 100% fascinating. And I think there's some ramifications that pertain to college football that could happen here. If you want to know what the future of college football is going to like, even if you're not a soccer fan, follow this story. Oh. Follow it. Okay. It, it, it is. Yeah, this is this is the this is the coolest story going on in sports right now. From how all this is going to unfold, so I don't know anything about yeah, this. So you you, what, you've piqued my interest. I will look into it, and we will discuss next Tuesday. Sounds like a plan. All right, Eric G, Sports Animal Tulsa, ninety-seven point one, joining me every Tuesday. Eric, see you later, buddy. See ya. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. Whether you're looking for something to help with pain, anxiety, or even just an opioid alternative, Artisan Botanicals has what you're looking for. Visit abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW and you'll save 15% when you order online. So again, that website is abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code COLBYSHOW. And you save 15% off your online order. Plus, they have a drive through for pickup, so it's very easy and efficient as far as the drive through goes. Abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe, and I will see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.